Morning Flat Radio is a paid program on AM 800. That day, for no particular reason, I decided to go for a little run. So I ran to the end and of the I road. ran over the bridge, and I went, <laughs> ran through the tunnel, and I ran around Belle Isle. And you are listening to Running Flat Radio. I'm, I'm the host, Chris Uzinski, with co-host Kelly Steele from the Windsor Star. Uh, and we're just coming down from the amazing uh, Talamers Bank Free Press Detroit Marathon uh, weekend that we just went through. Uh, job That's a wealth. mouthful, isn't it? It, is, it really is, you know. And, and we just call it the freep, you know, for for those of us who uh, who've been around it. The for, freep, for, and you run the D. That's right. And and you know, and and you know, special thanks to our good friend uh, Bill Ewing, um, who's been on the show a number of times uh, this year, kind of talking about preparations and kind of where they're at. You know, the final numbers were twenty one hundred Canadians that ran it, mm-hmm. and out of the twenty one hundred Canadians. 700 were uh, local Windsor, Detroit, Windsor Rights, Windsor Essex uh, runners. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that's, a, that's a sizable percentage, you know, out of the 27,136 people that ran it. And we had some uh, good finishes there. I think it was uh, Blair uh, Naju there. I think yeah. she was like uh, seventh w- overall. Yeah, top woman up there. And yeah. I, I was at the finish line, saw Jay Hudson come across. And yeah. I know he's from Detroit, but yeah. still, you know, he had a great race. He did. And, and Jay, of course, is the program director of Sister Station 89X here and uh, an avid runner and, and Hanson's. Uh, uh, trainee, you know, and and I and I did run into uh, the Hanson brothers and mm-hmm. in, in, in at the expo. Yeah, I saw they had a booth there. They did. They, they I think they had a couple booths there. So I do want to get them on in the next number of weeks too, uh, especially during the winter months, to kind of talk about, you know, what, what, let's talk about the real Hanson's method and, mm-hmm. and and get people thinking about it in their winter training, you know, as they're moving forward for their their spring marathons that are going to be coming up, uh, you know, in May and and. Uh, you know, it just, it's all about getting people ready to kind of talk about it. A couple other topics that I do want to talk about this winter, too, is is running clubs, mm-hmm. especially the ones that are going indoors and actually working on the short track stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a big explosion in that happening around the country. Um, you know, when you talk about the Windsor Legion here locally, but but there's all kinds of great running clubs. Uh, through, there's uh, a border city. Athletics, I think, is the other one. Uh, it might be. I, I, again, there's, there's a, whole, a, bunch there's a lot there. of them out there, and uh, and I, I think that that is an interesting topic as well that I think we need to cover. Off. So, tell me about you were pacing two twelve, two fifteen, two fifteen, yeah, two fifteen. You're, you're pacing two fifteen, and and it was a it, it was out of all the groups when I when I because we had a cheering section and mm-hmm. special thanks. I everyone. love that. Special thanks to everyone who came out and, and helped us and helped us along. We, we had this cheering section just as he got into the tunnel mm-hmm. um, outside the Tim Hortons, which is very convenient for us, of course. And um, what was amazing was, you know, your group came by and, mm-hmm. and, you know, we would announce, hey, I hear 215 is the loudest group of them all. <laughs> and they literally all turned around and just started screaming. Oh, yeah. They were a crazy group. They were, you know- they were awesome. I've been pacing for, well, since uh, 2007. And, and for those who are listening... A pacer in a marathon or a half marathon or a race is a person who's actually holding the time that you want to come in as a goal. So Kelly was holding the 2.15 mm-hmm. sign. So two hours and 15 minutes for a half marathon, which is 21 kilometers or 13.1 miles. So if you are using the two hours and 15 minutes as your goal to come in at for your time for your half marathon, you would have cozied up into her corral mm-hmm. and gone in behind her because she's holding a sign that says 215 and you would have run with her because she was holding that pace all the way through the race. Yep. 
And I don't, I don't know if you, you saw the picture on Facebook. We we did the quick little selfie before we took off. And uh, it, it's kind of cool because holding that sign is amazing because people just stick to you like glue. The power of the it, sign. It's like they do not want to lose you no matter. It's like your whole their whole race depends on you and that sign. Okay. And, uh, and that's honestly one of the reasons why I love pacing. You know, it's my chance to kind of help these people get across the line. And, you know, I pace all sorts of different times, but... um. This particular group was awesome. We had a, I had a first timer in there. I had a lady who wanted the PB, a personal best. Um, you know, and they were loud. They were crazy. But I think I told you before, my favorite part is how supportive everyone is. For that two hours and 15 minutes, we are best friends. You know, <laughs> they tell me everything. I know everything about them. You know, this one girl bought a Michael Kors purse and that was her reward. And the only way she was going to actually accept it and keep it was if she finished this race. And so it was dependent on me getting across the finish line. And so you share all these really cool stories. Yeah. And it, it's amazing because um, probably the hardest part about pacing is you lose people. Not everyone can stay with you because maybe 215 is too fast for them. And that to me is always the worst feeling because they start to fall back yeah. and I turn around and I can see that they're slowing down and they have just this really sad panicked look on their face. And with the job I have, yeah. I can't stop and slow down for them. I have to keep, I'm supposed to be an even split. So, you know, I'm hitting all my, all my mile markers at, right. I think it was about 10, 14. And so I can't stop for them. <laughs> it just breaks my heart because it's like, we're this big group of friends. We're a big family and we're all going to cross that finish line together. And it's, it's so sad. It's like the Titanic. And they're drifting away it from the is, ice flow. It is. And I'm like, I actually went back and I grabbed the one girl and kind of hold, pulled her up. And I'm like, come on, stay with me. And she did for maybe another quarter mile. And then she's gone. And everyone's kind of sad. They're like, where did Andrea go? Oh, she fell back. We don't even know Andrea's last name. But, you know, we're all we're all really bummed for the next mile that we lost Andrea. But, but you probably picked up Gus from two hours. <laughs> we did. And that's the other thing. When, when I'm running and people see that fi- sign... They turn around, they're actually really excited to see me, or else they're not excited to yeah. see me because they know they're falling farther and farther behind. But it's amazing. And when you cross the finish line, the other really cool thing, you cross over with your fin- your your uh, family, and everyone's hugging, you're high-fiving, you're taking pictures with each other. And it's funny because, like I said, today they're probably looking at their camera going, who in the heck was that pacer <laughs> lady and deleting all the photos? But for that moment... I'm probably yeah. one of the most important people getting them there, which is kind of nice. It's a lot of pressure, but I love it. Yeah, and that's the reason why, like, even that running flag, because we produce events. We produce the, the uh, Run for Heroes Half Marathon. We have, we're going to be opening up this week, at the end of this week, Le Chocolat Half Marathon. Awesome. And even the Pele Island, which we don't have pacers at because of its size, uh, we always employ uh, Jim's group to come in and pace the halves mm-hmm. and, and the full when we did it for the simple reason that it, it's a professional service to all those runners that you know that there's going to be a solid runner out there that you can get in behind and just work it to get to that 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 goal that you want to get to. It's really an enjoyable day for them. They don't have to look at their watch. They don't right. have to worry. Their only job that day is to stay next to me. And like I said, some of them are so close to me, I can barely move when we're running. But they it's they don't want to make any space or that there's always that fear that if they move a bit away from me, yeah. they're just going to keep falling back farther and farther. But so all they have to do is take selfies of each other. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was, that's what I was saying to you too. I have never seen so many cell phones and people <laughs> taking pictures of themselves during a race ever. In fact, going over the bridge, we had Buddy 
the sunset or the sunrise coming oh, over the bridge yeah, is absolutely that, beautiful with the scenery and yep. everything. Like it really is pretty. And this one guy stopped to to get that great shot. This girl didn't see him stop, and she just KO'd him. He kind of staggered. She fell over. She did like the roll. She got up. Her oh. arm was all cut. She was not happy. But you know, and, and look at. I've run that race a number of times, and and that image of being at the crest of the Ambassador Bridge that's closed down, and the sun is coming up, and, you know, it's just lighting up, you know, the Windsor, Detroit, and that whole vista is amazing. Oh, it it absolutely is. is. Because when do you ever get a chance to stop on the bridge? It's like the old days when you used to actually ride a bike on it or or walk it. Um, Well, until I saw the collision, I thought, you know what? Next year I should bring my phone. I could take a picture. (laughs) And I saw that go down and I'm like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Oh, I know. I know. It's it's, it's terrible. But, you know, what what can you do, right? I mean, that's the age of technology and people are constantly, Mm -hmm. you know, taking selfies of each other out there and, and the crowds and and you can't blame them because the optics of this event, especially on the Canadian side, mm-hmm. you know, with all due respect to our American friends with Belle Isle and Indian Village and everyone else, the, the Canadian side is stunning. And then you go it into is. the tunnel and you get all the pictures of your friends in the tunnel and doing that stuff. Everyone wants the tunnel shot. Oh, it I really know. is a cool photo. And, and, you know, my, my wife and, 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 and Andrew uh, ended up uh, doing the full mm-hmm. and had an awesome time. They got derailed on the back, of course, because there's so many drinking <laughs> stations you know especially especially the crazy Polacks out in Indian Village mm-hmm. um, who have been there for years they're, they're a main staple on the course but uh, but you know it's, the, it's those little things that people just love about that race and, and congratulations to to Detroit and, and the free press for, for putting on uh, just a world-class show and you know like their start line is like nothing I've ever seen before I love they got the music blaring they do the countdown for each of the wave starts it there's the, the yeah. energy at that start line is crazy if you're nervous it's gone once the music starts pumping. Yeah, and you know our guest on today's show is the guy who's going to tell us more about this, uh, Tony Revis. And, mm-hmm. and if, if you follow marathoning, and even if you've watched uh, some marathoning on TV, whether it's been you know Boston or LA, Chicago, New York, uh, that that deep, deep baritone voice that, mm-hmm. that that's doing the play-by-play commentary is Tony Revis. Oh, very cool. He's won a number of Emmy awards, and and he's going to be on the show uh, when we come back after these messages on Running Flat Radio. Morning drive at 6:50. If no one wins our hide and seek contest on Tuesday, we'll have clue number eight for you at 6:50 Wednesday morning. At 7:20, do titles and relationships scare you? When is it appropriate to add a new title to a relationship? And at 7:50 on the impossible question, a chance to win tickets to see Sticks at Caesars Windsor. The morning drive weekday mornings five till nine on AM 800. From CTV's Marilyn Dennis Show, CIBC personal finance expert Jamie Gollenbeck on starting your own business. We want a solid business plan. We yeah. want to know exactly what your projections are, cash flow, want to make sure they're realistic. We'll sit down with you. We'll help with that. And, and not only that, but I mean, there's all kinds of ways. I mean, you don't have to get the million dollar loan from the bank. I mean, it could be something as simple as, you know, a higher overdraft on your, on your checking account, or maybe it's a line of credit. CIBC Financial Advice. For more, go to maryland.ca slash finance. Ready for work or play seven days a week? That's a Ram pickup. 
Ready for an amazing seven days of deals? That's the factory authorized seven day Ram Clearout with up to $10,000 in total discounts. Get a 2014 Ram Quad Cab SXT 4x4 for only $26,595. Or step up to the Crew Cab for just $20 more bi weekly. But hurry, this seven day sales event ends October 28th. See your Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, and Ram retailer today. I'm Ted Vinslavic, Ontario Fire Marshal. Throughout the month of October, fire departments and teachers all across Ontario join in our campaign to educate our youth on home fire safety. Smoke alarms double your chances of survival in a home fire. To keep you and your family fire safe, test your smoke alarms monthly and replace any smoke alarms over 10 years old. Please, test and replace your smoke alarms. Count your family in at safeathome.ca. Now the forecast from the AM800 Weather Center. Tonight cloudy, a 40% chance of showers or drizzle, windy and a low of 4. Tomorrow a mix of sun and cloud, 30% chance of showers in the morning, a high of 13. Wednesday night partly cloudy but clearing before morning with fog after midnight and a low of 2 with a risk of frost Wednesday night. Thursday and Friday wall-to-wall sunshine both days, a high of 13 Thursday, 14 Friday. Once again, cloudy tonight, 40% chance of showers or drizzle, windy, and a low of 4. You know what makes me happy sometimes? The first snowflake. You know what makes me happy always? Packing that snowflake into a ball and throwing it at the clown who stole your parking spot. Happiness sometimes is bacon. Happiness always is double smoking that bacon and stacking it high on Kelsey's Xmas Turkey Burger with delicious smoked cheddar, cranberry apple stuffing, and crispy onion strings. Try that and more from our new shiny Happy Hungry menu. Kelsey's, because our tagline isn't happiness sometimes, it's happiness always. Guests, contests, local events. Follow the morning drive on Twitter. I feel like I know all the people on the morning show, so it's nice to see their update. At Mike Lisa 800. Looking to start running? Strap on a pair of comfortable shoes. Now put one foot in front of the other and keep going. It's that easy. This is, this is Running Flat Radio on AM 800. And welcome back to uh, Running Flat Radio. Chris Yuzinski and Kelly Steele in studio. You know, uh, my, my next guest, uh, admittedly, I was, at a, I was at a conference for Athletics Canada, AC Road Conference. That was, it was a wonderful conference. It was really well done, really well put together. And, and that was all race directors? It was all race directors and some suppliers, you know, like timers and, and mm-hmm. folks like that. And really, really enjoyed kind of uh, the conversations that we had with... Uh, Alan Brooks was there for for quite a while, even though his big race was this last weekend. Um, Corey was there from uh, Sporting Life and, and the women's half in Toronto. Uh, Brandon and the guys from from Race Roster, a lot mm-hmm. of folks who who were really heavily involved in the Ontario business mm-hmm. uh, were there. And on top of that, you know, we had Calgary and a whole bunch of folks. And Tony was was one of the plenary session speakers, uh, our next guest. And and Tony and I. Uh, got into uh, a really heated conversation about uh, kind of designing and developing runs that, um, you know, really kind of go with, you know, I I develop runs as a race director for the masses, Mm -hmm. uh, especially to motivate the person off the couch and into the start block and really to kind of, and that's what this radio show is all about fundamentally, is kind of breaking down those barriers and that anxiety and that animosity to get you from the couch, get you out of your car, get you into that start block to have some fun with us really enjoy the experience and who knows maybe you'll catch the bug and that's the whole point of running flat with all due respect to, to everyone out there who, who's trying to figure out what, what and how we do it we just design really fun event experiences that translate into the starting block so 
you know, and, and, and so Tony, so, and we're, I consider ourselves to be a very immature running market. Mm -hmm. And, and Tony comes from a very, very seasoned, well adjusted market, you know, of like 30, 40 years and working with some of the greatest running events in the world. But what the Americans do different than the Canadians, what the Americans do different than we have locally here is they've got a very highly and well structured amateur sporting system from a high school level through college through university collegiate level uh participation something we don't do really well here i mean for honest to god what do we have two decent tracks for three hundred fifty thousand yeah. people here in essex county and one was a university track so so it, it's that whole sub system in, in track and field and running that we do very very poorly here in, in windsor essex and we do very poorly in canada and, and I don't mind saying that because we, we've got lots of facts to back that up. And, and, you know, and so my conversation with Tony continued on and he's a brilliant man with all kinds of great ideas and, and really very insightful ideas with like so many years of experience and, and being, uh, you know, such a, he was, he was a, a journalist and he also worked at ESPN, you know, without further ado from San Diego, California, <laughs> Tony, are you there? Oh, I am, Chris. How you doing? I'm I'm awesome, and and it was such a pleasure meeting you last week and working with you. You know, one one of the things that that you know coming away from the conversation that that we talked about is is kind of the, the state of running, and, and it was something that you'd brought up that really, really I, I wanted to have a public conversation about this, and it is that what what is so different about our running industry than let's say the NHL or the NBA or or you know the NFL. Oh, you, you want your, that's a question. Oh, that that is that's the oh, big question. Well, uh, well, we have it's it is uh, well in in this expression in the modern expression of running, the difference is that we have mass participation while they have mass uh, fan watching. I mean that's the difference. That's one of the differences, and that's one of the glories of running. And that's why when we got into our discussion at the uh, Road Race Director Summit, I, I certainly wanted to I'm, – I'm glad we sat together for the next sessions because I did want to say how much I uh, thought your ideas and what Running Flat was doing was, uh, was brilliant as well. And had, and, and that, But I wanted to strike uh, the idea that this the whole thing should be win-win and not zero sum. And one of the things I've seen over the course of my career is a sport that has morphed into an activity at the expense of the sport, and that it shouldn't be that way. That the that once you get off the, the couch and get into the game, that there should be some uh, effort to encourage a. I mean, not not everyone's an Olympian, but everyone can be uh, in some ways. Uh, try to improve from their own personal standard. Correct. And I that's what I see lacking. Now, some some events like the color runs and those sort of things that has no place in that. It, it was not, it's and and, and it's some of your runs. It, it, there's right. times when you don't want any of that and there's runs that I've gone on that has none of that. Uh, absolutely. But the vast majority of runs and I see this is Athletics Canada's job. I don't expect this to come out of the business community. I expect it to come out of Athletics Canada, whose charter includes uh, the promotion of the sport. But that's part of it that their charter is. And so when they don't do they in USA Track and Field and all the 200-plus national governing bodies under the IAAF 
that govern the sport worldwide don't do that, we end up having a very skewed uh, performance uh, relationship with the mass participation so that where once the people in the back of the pack cared about what was happening in the front of the pack, now there's no relationship whatsoever. And people then think, well, running is boring. Well, and I say running isn't boring. It used to be boring. It's boring because it's been boringly staged for a lot of, lot of years, and we've allowed a very uh, uh, an equilibrium to form. Right. There's a difference between a balance and an equilibrium. You can be you can have an equilibrium at the in in economics that has high unemployment. It'll reach us spaces there, but you don't want that. So you have to have some agency that has not a full thumb on the scales, but you want to regulate to some degree in order to make sure that you have a competitive balance and some sort of a, an, an appealing presentation. And that's one of the things we haven't done. And, and, and I agree with you 100% on that. Could you hold us through the uh, the break? We just got a news break that we're coming up to, and I want to talk to you about that. And I also want to talk to you about who's our heroes in this sport, because I think right. that, that that's also another really big topic with you. You're listening to Running Flat Radio on AM 800 CKLW. Experience the gigantic home improvement closing sale at Hardware Liquidation Store by Rona. Visit us today at 7350 Catherine Street in Windsor for unbelievable savings for your home improvement project and much more. This week, get an unbelievable 50 to 75% off lower ticket price on everything in store. Visit Hardware Liquidation Store by Rona weekdays from 9 to 8 and on the weekend from 8 to 5 at 7350 Catherine Street in Windsor. Certain conditions apply. Details in store. Ford invited Canadians to test drive a Ford on a track designed to simulate real Canadian seasons to see if they'd swap their ride. This Ford Edge has amazing handling, especially in the snow. Wipers came on by themselves. The Focus has great fuel economy and performance. I love it. I would swap my ride for a Ford in a heartbeat. Is it time to swap your ride? With as low as 0% purchase financing on select new 2014 models, plus a no extra charge winter safety package, now is the time to get into great Ford vehicles like the new Focus, Escape, and Edge. Visit Ford.ca for details. If you missed experts on call this past Saturday, you missed Glenn Daranowski of Advanced Home Services explain the significance of proper installation. Quality window, door, and siding installation truly is key with another severe winter ahead. Keep winter where it belongs, outside. To learn more about Advanced Home Services and their exclusive platinum installation process that guarantees superior installation and service when you buy new windows, doors, and siding, check out their website at advancedhomeservices.ca. The source is the place for I want that. So when you wanted to take the party outside, who gave you portable wireless speakers? The source. But when your wife said, it's Tuesday night, you're going to wake the neighbors, turn that off. Who gave you great deals on top brand earbuds and headphones? The source. Right now, save an amazing audio at the Source Sound Savings Event. Take $50 off the House of Marley get-together Bluetooth portable speaker, exclusive to the source. See flyer at thesource.ca for details. The source. I want that. It's 7.30. From the AM800 News Center, your number one news source in Windsor, Essex, an information update with Paul Pedro. The Windsor University Faculty Association has approved a new three-year contract by nearly 66% tonight. A tentative deal was reached earlier this month after two days of mediated talks. 
Windsor mayoral candidate Drew Dilkins wants to spend $10 million improving quality of life for Windsorites. He says the money will be spent on parks, libraries, and cycling networks. Meantime, opponent Larry Horwitz laid out his plan for public transportation today, saying the current system is not meeting the needs of the community and must be updated with new routes. Windsor mayoral candidate John Milson is sounding the alarm over untreated human waste being dumped into the Detroit River and wants to improve the sewer system. AM 800 Sports, Kansas City is hosting San Francisco tonight in Game 1 of the World Series. The Leafs are skating in New York against the Islanders tonight. Right now that game tied one all in the first period. The Wings are visiting Montreal tonight and in Junior C Hockey, Essex is home to Amherstburg tonight. That game also tied one all in the first. From the AM 800 Weather Center, tonight cloudy, 40% chance of showers or drizzle, windy a low of 4. Tomorrow, mix of sun and cloud, 30% chance of showers in the morning, a high of 13. Wednesday night, partly cloudy but clearing before morning with fog after midnight, a low of 2 with a risk of frost Wednesday night. Right now in Windsor, Essex, 7 Celsius, that's 45 Fahrenheit. I'm Paul Pedro, AM 800 News. When you're able to focus your mind and your body, anything is possible. From 5K runs to half marathons to the full 26.2 miles. We talk about it all on Running Flat Radio, Tuesdays, 7 till 8 on AM 800. You're listening to uh, Running Flat Radio. Welcome back. Tony Rivas, a uh, legendary broadcaster in the United States uh, for, for running and ESPN. He's got a great blog and a website as well. Uh, Tony joins us from San Diego. Uh, we were just talking about the disconnect from the back of the pack to really the, those leaders in the front of the pack. And and I'm just wondering, so where, when did this disconnect occur that, that we don't have real heroes or, or, or really... Uh, household brand names, Tony? Is is that probably a better way of looking at it? Yes, exactly. Uh, because here we are, they just start listening to the, the news. They say, oh, they're, they're going to look at the, at the World Series starting at night with the, the San Francisco Giants and the uh, and the Kansas City Royals. You've got uh, the, you know, I think the Maple Leafs are playing so-and-so. I mean, you've got, and there are plenty of heroes out there. And they used to, well, the fact that Jerome Drayton still owns the Canadian National Marathon record is kind of a problem. Right there, because uh, that that happened in the early 1970s, uh, and you know there's the same people that eat the same food and probably are growing up, you know, even better than Drayton did, and yet somehow his time is still lingering, and it's not like it's an off the charts time. But we it all started, I think, when when running stagnated on its way out of its amateur past into the professional world. And this is happening because there was, there's always been money in running. Uh, there was even more running when uh, the baby boom generation came to the sport and the, and the running boom hit in the 1970s. Right. People like Frank Shorter, who the father of the running boom in the United States, who won the gold medal in 72 Munich Games and the silver medal in 76 Montreal. Uh, he was getting appearance fees under the table to come to uh, races. Then Bill Rogers from Boston uh, began winning all four Bostons and four New York City marathons during the, the time when New York City Marathon was expanding from four laps of Central Park to a tour of the city right. through all five boroughs. And so, and this, and so this, the sport was exploding. These guys were like household names. Well, what happened was they got people like Alberto Salazar. And I remember Art Boileau from Canada, two time, the first two-time year winner of the L.A. Marathon in the 86-87. Uh, Nancy Tenari is still a friend of mine. I still, I still uh, am Facebook friends with Nancy, who I covered back in her glory years in the 80s. 
And so on, on it goes. But what happened was there, we started to, ever since the post-colonial days of the 1960s, we started seeing African athletes enter the dance. And what happened before all this time, the sporting world across the board was a first and second world enterprise. Uh, and then a sublimation of the Cold War, especially in track and field, was certainly uh, a metaphor for the, uh, the, 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 the West versus East. Right. And so those were very closely followed. But when Kip Kano beat Jim Ryan at the 1968 Mexico City Olympics at 1,500 meters, and that was after Bibi Bikila won the 1960 and 64 Olympic marathons in Rome and then Tokyo, uh, slowly but surely these African athletes and distance running began to come into the game. And at first, they were guys who were, uh, they weren't women, they were just men, and these men were students at and, and United, American universities, especially University of Texas, El Paso, Washington State, Iowa State, schools like this. So they were college-educated men who were good runners in college, but it's when they got out of school that they really got serious about their running and exploded right. uh, and just started dominating. And so beginning in 1992, essentially, we began seeing this three waves of uh, mostly at first Kenyan athletes come onto the American road scene and just begin to dominate. I mean, top, all top 10 out of 10. At the same time, they started taking appearance money out of the game. So I can tell you that it, in one race, like the Crim 10-miler up in Flint, Michigan, right. you used to have $60,000 in appearance money. And with that $60,000, they would invite Michigan guys or people like Greg Meyer, the 1983 Boston Marathon champion, who moved to Boston to train with Bill Rogers in the Greater Boston Track Club. Yeah. So you get guys like Greg and Bill from the Greater Boston Track Club come to Flint, and then they'd run against Herb Lindsay, a Michigan State guy, who, who now trains in Boulder, Colorado with Frank Shorter. So you have Michigan guys who then went to other places to train with top dogs. But it, there would be a big local interest at, at that race. Right. Well, when you go from having a parents' money to do that, and then you just throw that $60,000 into the into the finish line and say, whoever comes, comes, you can't guarantee who's going to come. And it turns out to be 15 or 20 Kenyan guys that nobody knows instead. At first, it's exotic. right? And after a while, it becomes the same old story. And after a while, people say, I'm not paying any attention to this anymore. And we've just seen one generation of this happen. So, and so we've lost connection. And so what's happened is we don't see, you know, the World Cross Country Championship, which used to be the, the, the best reigning race in the world because everyone from 1,500-meter bank to the marathoners would go to it. Now they don't have it every year. Now they only have it once a year, once every two years, a biennial event. And that's because it's been so dominated by the Kenya and Ethiopia, the European nations stopped sending teams. And so the thing sort of died. And so that's really what's happened is we've had a skewed uh, performance and, and anonymous interchangeable parts come and win of the races every time. And we've done nothing to regulate that flow, done nothing to co-opt these men and now women. Many of uh, wonderful people, I've been to Kenya five or six times, Ethiopia five or six times, lovely people, wonderful people, not culturally the same as we are, don't, don't embrace the media in the way that we do, exactly how you want your children to grow up to be, but not outgoing in the way that somehow breeds a fan base. Not not so not, not great for marketing and not great for building brands in, 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 in a sport that's that's professional and, and trying to be on the front page of the New York Times. Exactly. So so so, so the current state is we don't have any quote unquote heroes to to kind of cheer on and fan. Obviously, there's anomalies like Meb, 
but you know Mev is an anomaly at 39 years old and you know it's he he's he's his own brand he's been his own brand for you know 15 years at least uh out there and um so how do how do we build a hero into our sport or how, how do we do that well, as I, I was mentioning at that uh, at the race director summit in Toronto, that one of the things <clears throat> other sports have much the same the same issues. I mean, it's a world everything's a worldwide sport now. I mean, it used to be that the NHL was simply almost Canada and a little bit of the northern United States. Now, for heaven's sakes, it's in Nashville and Florida and California, and it's odd, but there it is, you know. <laughs> and there's players from all over the I mean, all over the world, the hockey playing world that's in there. But as I said, but in the same sense that we have so many Caribbean and South American and Latin American baseball players litter these two World Series teams, but they don't represent themselves in their country. They represent a team. So as I said, the, the, the example I used at the meeting was that Miguel Cabrera is not a Venezuelan baseball player. He's a Detroit Tiger baseball player. Mm. And so we've co-opted him. Almost all of our major sports have athletes from all over the world, but we've co-opted them. Whereas our sport, it's just who you are as individual running with the shoe company logo on your best. So there's no there there. There's no hook. And the stakes we're playing for are incredibly low by professional standards. So the stakes in and of themselves, which can also be a lure in any sport, are, are not high enough or not big enough to be of interest either. So you have people, you have athletes that people don't care about who find it. In, it's an academic exercise. It's in, oh, it's interesting, but my heart's not involved. And then the stakes aren't big enough to say, oh my God. So at the FedEx Cup in golf, in you know, the final weekend of the season in Atlanta, this guy, Billy Horschel, it wasn't nobody ever heard of the guy until this year in the last four weeks of the season. He gets he he got second place in the second last tournament and first place in the last tournament and then won the FedEx Cup and so in three weeks he wins thirteen point three thirteen million dollars. Well, they make a difference if they knew Billy Horschel. The stakes were so high in that FedEx Cup, people paid attention because who's going to win that money? Right. If we had two million dollars on the finish line of the Toronto Marathon, I think we might find a fan base. But but you know I but think as long as there's nothing right. But but with all due respect, I think there's also an issue with our industry as well, is it's very, very decentralized. I mean, you know, I'm right. a race director. I do my own races. You know, uh, you know, Alan does his own races in Toronto, uh, just like Detroit, Chicago. Everyone kind of does their own thing uh, because, you know, we're, we're our own machines that, that are taking care of our own marketplaces, right, and, and developing right. our own races and marketing our own races. And, you know, we, we don't have prize money in any of our races because we're a small right. company. We have small races. But, sure, sure. you know, so, so how, how, does this, how does this work fundamentally for, for even, even race directors that don't even have common rules in marathoning, well, which, well, which well, we don't? Well, that's what has to happen. I mean, again, you have there, – there, there are – there's legislation that's in play for, you know, for these national government bodies. It's their job to promote, promote the game. So at some point, there have to be interested parties – have to come together. Every other sport's done it. I mean, tennis took a long time to mm. break the system, to break the amateur system. It took six years uh, where the, the top players just wouldn't play. They didn't play in it. Everyone always asks who the greatest tennis player in history is, and now we've got Nadal and Federer and Djokovic and Murray's, and you know, good. But he's, and then you've got, you know, was it Pete Sampras is in there, and then the guy from my era, who was Rod Laver. Well, Rod Laver won the Grand Slam in 62 and won the Grand Slam in 69. Only Don Budge in 1929 had also won the Grand Slam in a calendar year. 
Well, Rod Laver didn't play in any Grand Slam tournament from 63 through 68 because during those years, the top tennis players in the world boycotted every major tennis event like the U.S. Open, the Wimbledon, Australian and French to break the system, the amateur system, the chariots of fire paternalistic system from the 19th century. Right. Well, it took them five years, it took them six years to do it. They finally did it. Now Serena Williams won $3 million for winning the U.S. Open. <laughs> so, so it can happen. The athletes have to be the one that make this happen. They're the show. They're the ones. Now, you don't need a national governing body if you have no show. If you have no athletes, you don't need a national governing body to govern anything. I would. I mean, it's going to take something on the order of, you know, the Olympic final in, in the Olympic final in the hundred meter dash, and they get the gun up and they shoot the gun, and all the athletes merely stand up and look at the VIP booth and say, "Do we have your attention now?" So, you run the race if you think we're not partners in this, but they don't do it. Right. And so, so that's as long as athletes are kept in a feudal, in a feudal system or as independent contractors, right. there's no power. So, they have no power. And, is, that's what, and that's what the problem is. So what you're proposing, let me, let me get this straight, what you're proposing is a professional-type touring system? We need a yes. Essentially, what we don't have in our sport that every other sport has is a professional wing. Now we have. Let's look at golf again. In golf, it's the same thing. It's it's in, an international cast of athletes on a fixed calendar on a yearly on a yearly tour. It's the same thing. It's just a widget. Happens to be one widget as opposed to another widget. But what happens in golf is you have the USGA, the governing body. They're headquartered in Far Hills, New Jersey, and they handle the U.S. Open and the Ryder Cup, President's Cup, those international tournaments, and just like Golf House in Scotland, Scotland does as well for the Brits. And you guys have your own national governing body in, in Canada as well. But there's also the PGA Tour office in Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. That handles the weekly tour events, the professional tour events. They're the ones that you have to uh, earn your playing privileges from. Now, there might be 2,000 guys good enough to play golf on the weekly PGA Tour event. But there's only 156 guys with the playing privileges who right. earn their privileges. And once you've earned your playing privileges, in order to play in any one tournament, you've got to play in 15 tournaments because we have to get to know who you are and either like you or dislike you. That's good, too. But we can't be indifferent about you. And that's what we've allowed to happen with this totally decentralized. And that makes all the sense for events like yours. You you don't want to be you're, you're not on the tour. You don't, have, you don't want to be on nope. the tour. You have a very established niche, which is working very well. You do a great job. I, I can tell. But there are other people in the game who do have a professional-like presentation, right. but it's not linked up to anything else. If every time you played a golf tournament, if it wasn't a tournament and every hole was a universe of one, and you didn't keep score, and nothing added up, well, you had nothing to follow. I, I think you're right. Look, at a, lo a lot of my time is answering crazy emails from people. Okay, as a race director, and and you know what? When I'm when I'm a month and a half out, or two months, or three months out from from our marathon that we do in September, we would get these emails from Ethiopia, from every African country, saying, "I'm a 210 runner. I'm a 212 runner. You know, uh, sponsor me with airline tickets." And right. and it was just bombarded with these emails constantly, and yep. and I kept thinking to myself, you know what? I don't have uh, a volunteer who's in charge of you know mentoring elites, you know, to bring them to our race. I mean, it doesn't work like that. It's not how we work because we, we just don't have the resources to do all that. 
And, sure. you know, I mean, wouldn't it be nice if, if there was a professional tour where you can actually bid on, hey, we're, we're, we want to be on your stop, you know, and, and, you know, the bus, you know, opens up and, you know, all these amazing world-class athletes would jump out and, and run your race. And, you know, maybe that's what it takes. Well, it, it, I mean, it's just, I guess, best youth practices like other sports, like other activities. I mean, you didn't totally make up everything you're doing. You took best use practices that you saw, and then you tweaked them for your specific market with your own ideas. Absolutely. So one other thing about the running community, and that's what I mean, that that's a very important word, because it, it is a community. Yep. And we do have this sense of togetherness in this thing, but we all do our own thing. But we all know as well as runners that we all, we do a lot better and train a lot better when we work together. Yeah. You work. You just you train better. You get better results in racing when you basically train with good people. Well, but we do everything. Now that was the first road race uh, director summit that Athletics Canada had, and one of the things I mentioned at, at that meeting was the fact that you guys are ahead of the game than we are. We are in the United States because road running doesn't have a separate autonomous wing within USA Track and Field. No. We have a. We have a. We have a. Uh, a an industry group called Running USA, right. but it has there's, it has no standing. It's just this independent. And yet, Running USA back in 1999 and 2000 was the group that got together and said we need to reestablish American distance running at the highest competitive levels. And I think Alan Steinfeld, the race director of the New York City Marathon at the time, uh, basically donated. Uh, a dollar for every U.S. finisher in his race, I think it was $25,000 at that time, right. to the cause. A lot of other major race directors put in five or $10,000, and through that pool of money, they founded the Mammoth Track Club, where they they hired coaches of Bob Larson and Joe Vigil, and then took athletes like Dina, Dina Castor and Meb Kofleski and Ryan Hall, and they put that thing together. Next thing you know, Meb and Dina win Olympic medals yeah. in Athens in 2004. Next thing you know, there's Zap Fitness in North Carolina. Next thing you know, there's Team USA in Minnesota. Now there's a team, teams in Flagstaff, Albuquerque, Boulder, Colorado. And they sort of, it did re-energize the sport. And right. we have some, we don't have the depth of East Africa, but we got some individuals that can go pretty much close to head-to-head with everybody. Yeah. So it needs to be more of a, a group effort where the concerned people so go to the Athletics Canada Race Summit next next spring, and then let's find out which of these which of these events want to try to build something out of the assets that that they have at hand. Now, it doesn't have to be everyone. Some people might say you might say, listen, even though those are not the kind of events that I put on, I see the value in doing that. So I will contribute some nominal nominal fund right. out of what we do just to say. We have a hand in, and we care about the extension of the sport, not just the activity. And because the higher we raise the stakes of the sport itself, I think it'll lure more people to the activity as well. Yeah. So I think that's where it would be win-win. Absolutely. Plus, kids would have heroes. And as I said at the meeting again, I don't want running to be the eat-your vegetables of children's lives. I want them to have <laughs> heroes to try to, to try to emulate. Well, you haven't been to my house. There's certainly one type of hero. <laughs> No, you're absolutely correct, Tony. You know, it's, it's a fascinating conversation, and I, I really appreciate you coming on today and having it with us because uh, I think it's important. I think it's important that we, we, we kind of we air everything about our sport and try to get people involved in it, and I think this is a no, great a way of doing crowd. it. It's a smart crowd of people. And, absolutely. Uh, and, yeah, and we, we, no matter what else we don't have in common, this one thing, running, seems to transcend all those differences, and we've seen it 
everywhere and anywhere. You make the best friends when you're out on the run. So it was great meeting you, and I appreciate you having me on the show. It was it was an honor. Thanks, Tony, and, and I wish you all the best. You're listening to Running Flat Radio on AM800 CKLW. Gold mining in the north is all about separating the pay from the dirt. The fire is Here under this glacier is a pile of gold. All we got to do is dig it up. The men from the boys. Last year was the training year. It's time to take the training wheels off. And contenders from pretenders. What if we could come back from the ashes and kick some ass this year? The two-hour season premiere of Gold Rush. Tonight at 8, only on Discovery. Peter is a dedicated manager. He has responsibilities, deadlines, and objectives. Whenever he travels for business, he takes the train. He enjoys the freedom it gives him to review his company's sales figures or focus on next year's planning. Or try and reach level three and find the key that'll free the princess. Whatever tickles your fancy, Peter. With Via Rail, you're the boss. Now the forecast from the AM800 Weather Center. Cloudy tonight, 40% chance of showers or drizzle, windy and a low of 4. Mix of sun and cloud tomorrow, a 30% chance of showers in the morning, a high of 13. Partly cloudy Wednesday night, but clearing before morning with fog after midnight, a low of 2. With a risk of frost Wednesday night, lots of sunshine on the way for Thursday and Friday. High of 13 Thursday, 14 Friday. Once again tonight, cloudy, 40% chance of showers or drizzle, windy and a low of 4. The Lynn Martin Show. If you're thinking about it, we're talking about it. On Wednesday's show, find out what one mom did to get Halloween costumes pulled from a store and why she did it. Are they too sexy for your kids? We'll find out what you think next time. When you hear about it, don't just talk, react. The Lynn Martin Show, weekdays 9 till noon on AM 800. Helping you achieve your personal best. This is Running Flat Radio with Chris Yuzinski on AM 800. And welcome back to uh, Running Flat Radio uh, with Tony Revis. What an, what an awesome guest. You know, I, I got a chance to spend so many hours with him. And and what a breadth of, of knowledge and, and just the overall kind of vision of, you know, seeing the sport in the last 40 years, where it's come. And, mm-hmm. and uh, he educated me. He really did. I mean, he gave me the... Uh, you know, we, we went toe to toe, but I'll tell you what, that guy knows a lot about the sport. And, oh, you can tell uh, he and knows stuff. yeah, and, and, you know, it's, it's, there's no shortage of really cool people in this business mm-hmm. that you meet on a daily basis that you talk to. Uh, I mean, I spent a lot of time um, finally meeting John, uh, who was on last week. Mm-hmm. John Hughes, the, uh, the race director for, uh, the Dis- for Run Disney yep. and uh, and his wife Betsy and they were awesome. It was just it was just a, a great conversation that we had talking about uh, you know our events, his events, and 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 the similar philosophies of of really kind of developing that event experience for people mm-hmm. and and making sure that they're 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 getting away with you know kind of maximum value and and it was just uh, awesome people to meet and talk to and and I, I, having Tony on was was really important because there there is a change afoot. 
in, in the industry and there's a change of foot especially in in Canada where you know with with Athletics Canada kind of picking up this wing AC road and wanting to really kind of you know look at road racing and promote road racing in Canada it's really adding a, a whole new dynamic and I see that growing year over year over year where where you know they will be more of an adjudicating body in, in racing uh, on the road they will also be helping promote uh, road racing in in Ontario and across the country, and and developing those heroes that we kind of talked about, and it's just just really really looking forward to where this is all going to go over the next four or five ten years. And you know the heroes thing, I've never really thought about it before, but it's really right. true because you look at you look at your uh, your golf players who are just starting off. They all want to be your Tiger Woods or whatever. They all know the big names, and when it comes to running, like us everyday runners. The majority, if you ask them, women in particular, what woman rider would you like to be like? The majority of them would probably go, hmm. and, you, and no name just jumps to mind. If you really think, maybe you could, you know, pull out a Dina Castor or whatever. But the majority, no one stands out. You know, like with guys, I suppose Meb, but still, there's there's no real heroes, and that's really kind of sad. Yeah, you know, in Canada, we always have, you know, at the top, you know, we have the Lannies, we have, yeah. you know, Dean Colson. Like, there's, there's, there's always, you know, the, these these similar names that keep coming up over mm-hmm. and over again as Canadian heroes for, for a lot of reasons, because, you know, they win Scotiabank, and then there's a big splash, or they win Montreal, or or, the, or, or Ottawa, mm-hmm. and, uh, but there really is no uh, hero development program that, that, Revis is really talking about here. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what Tony's talking about is, is a complete rethink of, of the way this industry works and the way it starts from the high school level all the way up to the collegiate level and then into a professional series mm-hmm. of, of, of racing and programming. And it, it's fascinating because, because as the sport is growing, and it is growing across North America, now would be the time to launch a system like that to kind of give it sustainability and give it life and give it legs into the future for future generations to go, you know what? I want to be like Meb. Mm-hmm. Well, his whole point about the crumb, that was amazing. And I never really thought about that before. It's still a huge name. You still get Ethiopians that are coming there and they're winning, but really they're not anyone that anyone knows. Whoever wins, like I bet you one person couldn't tell you who won the crumb last year. Right. And, and I think what he's saying is, you know, going from, uh, appearance fees mm-hmm. to a strict purse at the at the finish line is what's what's changed yep. that and changed those things. But you know, you know, we'll see we'll see what happens with this sport. I mean, it's it's, it's always changing. But I'll tell you the one thing is everybody's got a story in this sport. Every runner has every runner has something to say, and it is just incredible when you mm-hmm. sit down with them and, and hear these stories. Um, like in Detroit, I mean, you know, the people who who are running by and say, "Hey, I listen to the show, love the show," you know, and uh, or you know, even that zombie chase, you know, the folks who are coming up saying, "Oh, the only reason I started doing this was because I listened to the show, and yeah. and, it, and it's really changing my life." And and what a rewarding industry to be in. So, I, and I thank you all for for who reach out to me and email me every week and and stop me in the grocery store or or at a race and, and tell me that because I, I really it, it means a lot to me. So, yes. so I really appreciate that. It is nice to know people are listening to us. <laughs> it is, it is, instead of me talking to myself. You know. <laughs> but uh, you, you have been listening to Running Flat Radio. Next week on the show, we're going to dissect the cost of a half marathon. Nice. A couple weeks ago, I was at another race. I was helping out. It just accidentally happened that I had kind of bent over. Two runners were running by. One guy made the comment, wow, Run for Heroes is really expensive. <laughs> and, you know, I would never run Amherstburg because it's too expensive. And, I, and then I stood up and said, no, it's not. 
have they priced out the rock and roll series? Well, you know, but, 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 so we're, we're going to do a dissection of, of all the costs. Everyone mm-hmm. who's six months out and race day or, you know, kind of race week costs. And mm-hmm. we're going to do it every, for everyone in the Great Lakes, for Detroit. We're going to, we're going to eliminate the rock and rolls and we're going to eliminate the, uh, uh, the folks at Disney, because those are kind of like higher end specialty mm-hmm. runs, we're just going to look at, you know, Ann Arbor Marathon, yep. you know, Dexter to Ann Arbor. We'll even look at Scotiabank. We'll, you know, Forest City. Like we'll throw them all in there and we'll take a look at the numbers. You will be surprised. I look forward to that. You'll be surprised where we end up. You've been listening to Running Flat Radio on AM 800 CKLW. Just before we go out, we're going to do uh, our song of the week uh, as we take you out. And because it is Halloween coming up. When else we ever hear ministry on M800 CKLW? <laughs> <laughs> Every day is Halloween on Running Flat Radio.